Hello, and welcome to Scuttlebutt, the war movie review podcast. We're happy to have you with us as we take a look at films from the dawn of cinema to today. We aim to provide a raw and unapologetic review of each film's cinematography, historical accuracy, and delivery. In the process of analysis, certain details will be revealed. These spoilers are only divulged to ensure a fair assessment of each film. We head back to the trenches this week with Sam Mendez's 2019 Great War Epic. 1917. As always, I'm joined by Mike A. Hello. Mike B. Yep. And Nate. Hi, how you doing? <laughs> We're also joined this week by special guest of World War II and World War I TV fame, Paul Woodage. Well, th- this is interesting because I think um, Mike and Nate, both of you guys have seen this before, yeah, right? Yeah, multiple yep. times, yeah. So yep, Brian and myself, it was our first time. Um, I, I would say just going in, I thought it was very good. I liked it a lot. I thought it was really good. Um, obviously I can say things about it that, uh, you know, I thought were, could have been done better or I was like, eh, not, not too much of a fan of that. But overall I thought it was damn good. That actually kind of surprises me. I'm not going to be, I'm not going to really? lie. Yeah. Why? Yeah. I don't know. I just, I was assuming this was going to be a, a, a Mike, a, this is interesting, but uh, they fucking suck. It's interesting, but it's gay. <laughs> yeah, they, that's they, what they, they usually suck. say. Yeah, it just sucks. You know, I don't like. You know, I just sucked. I just, you know, I trope and things and sucked. And then I, I say was, I have legitimate <laughs> points for disliking things. Okay, I don't just hate just to hate. No, 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 no. I, I don't mean that. I just, it just, it just, it was, it was funny. I'm just, I'm shocked, which I'm glad yeah, because no, I, I was, I was really into it. I thought yeah. it was very well done. I will, I will, I will launch into my three sentence intro. I mean, like, no, let let Brian go first because he's the second one. Oh, okay, seen. right, yeah, go for it, yeah, go. Fuck you! <laughs> Don't uh, step on my toes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fucking, I got. This is a hammer. Yeah. Anyway, um, I'm the pusher. <laughs> yes, yep. I'm blind, and I'm from I, the northeast. I call him the cheese. <laughs> you know, he gets the job done. And he stinks. Like a wheel of cheese. They call him the yeah. cheese wheel. <laughs> you slice into him, there's still more. <laughs> um, cheese wheel kind of describes my dick. I was gonna say, <laughs> st- doesn't touch bottom, but stretches out the edges. But go for it. Yeah. yeah. It's uh, not yeah. good. Go, Brian. <laughs> Square peg and a round hole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's an interesting movie. Um, it shot really well, but there's a lot of parts of it where I'm just scratching my head. Um, it's interesting, to say the least. You know, it's just very well shot. I think that's my biggest takeaway from it. It's really made for a theater. Um, I don't know. It's an interesting movie. <laughs> I already know what your score is going to be because every time you say that, it's around. Uh, the let, same. Let's let's let let's let the intros go <laughs> in, and I want Mike A to, to dig into you because he was trying to. So that's fine. Mike B, go. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Like like they said, we have both seen this multiple times, and I saw it when it first came out in a totally legal fashion, totally <laughs> paid for it and everything. Um. But no, I was sitting there analyzing it, and I made this little mini review on my channel, like when it came out and overall I liked a lot of it. And then each time that I watched it, I noticed more and more things, technical things, mind you. Um, and then now that I little, know a little bit more about actual filmmaking, I thought I have more respect for the method they use. The one, the long shot, I mean, really fucking long shots. There's a few of them. Um, and then just how much work goes into everybody has to be in the right place at the right fucking time because there are no cuts. 
I mean, yeah, it's it's absolutely insane to me that they did it that way. I knew it was insane before, but now I'm, I have a lot more respect for it. Um, gear was not bad, stuff like that. But there's some, there's some again, like Brian said, it's made for a theater. It's made to be really fucking keeps you on, on the edge of your seat, and then all of a sudden, oh shit's going down. But a lot of the scenes, like the action scenes, like we'll talk about the town scene. I, I thought that it really fell short. I mean, really fell short. And it, again, it's like Brian said, you sit there for most of that going, what in the fuck is the point? Like what, why are we doing, why are we here right now in this film? Like we were just here, not physically, but like as a kind of a quality level. And now we're at this. And then it just turns into this, like, I don't know. It's, it, it gets really weird. And then the end is very, again, what the fuck are you doing? That's so I, I think basically in my opinion, and then um, I think i going to wrap up my opening thoughts is that I thought it was exceptionally good until one of the, one of the, you know, Blake gets killed. I thought it was exceptionally good until he goes across that bridge. If that makes sense. And, um, yeah, I think it really just, ugh. anyway, we'll get into it later. So yeah, that's my, those are my, overall very good. I'm not shitting on it. It was a very good film, I think, but, that, and it had some problems that I'd really love to unpack, especially when Paul gets here. So, um, yeah, I mean, like I, I'm, I'm going to probably share the same sentiment as you. It's like, I saw this in theaters. It was awesome. And then I watched it again and then I noticed more things and a lot of the things with me in my editing brain, it's like it's a very wonderful example of hard work for continuity and editing. Mm. It's very hard work. Oh, yeah. And there are a lot of assets to go into that. And my brain, because I surround myself with this on a daily basis of understanding how things are shot and how things are done on an, edit, on a, on an editor standpoint, I can see a lot of the cuts that make it. That, f- that fake make it for a long shot. And where there is CG assets that are replacing bodies and transitions and things like that, it's very well done. However, I will share the sentiment of the story takes a big fucking nosedive after he gets knocked out. I liked it even until he gets knocked out. And that's just a weird thing because it's like, well, why did he get knocked out? Well, it's because we don't have a good transition from this scene to the next scene that we really wanted to do. So there, there we go. go. And so, like, that's that's where all that comes in. But, I mean, overall, I freaking really like this movie. I love the quality of it. I love the, I love the quality of the production. And I think the cinematography and the editing is absolutely what makes it an award-winning film, which I believe it is. And, yeah, I th- I believe yeah, so. and, and, and gets the mantra it deserves is deserved from the continuity and the editing a hundred percent and the cinematography i forgot to also mention that the those three departments won that film what it is the story does not win that i would say costumes and props oh, also yes absolutely really Sets, really good yes, job absolutely sorry yep. you're 100 percent right the settings yep. the production level everything i'm just saying mm-hmm. like the story doesn't make the movie for me what makes the movie no. is the quality of the film and I think it's a very visual film. Exactly. Yeah. And just I think like, um, the very visual. Or something yeah, like exactly. It, well, I was yeah. just going to compare one of the scenes in there. Yeah. yeah. To and, that. And, yeah. And, and, where... and, but you can tell there's a lot that goes into this film 
that they are making the scenes or the situations to make the quality of the shots. That is the only thing I don't really like about it in that sense. But I think you know the shots make the story, not the story makes the shots in some aspects. And that's the only thing I notice, mainly like in the town with the flares and the jumping into the river and the whole, the whole that sequence. Don't get me wrong. I still really like this film. I still really like the quality and everything with it. Uh, so, um, I, I will say like, I, I messaged Mike when I was, I was like 20 minutes in, I'm like, this is fucking awesome. Like, I love this. You know, I just, I love the simplicity of it. You know, the story is kind of, it's, it's, it's kind of off to the side, you know, it's not that important. It's just the journey with these characters and the different things they encounter. And, um, I thought the, the actors were great. That's right off the bat. Like these two guys, they're like, they got chemistry, they got, you know, charisma, and they're carrying this thing for me. Um, and I thought that was great. I do agree that once we got to that town, that is when it kind of like turned into standard action movie. You know, he's yep. even though the set is is great. You know, the set is amazing. You know, it, it looks great. But yeah, when he's running around, it's like, I'm just like, oh, stop this, please. You know, and then that CGI jumping into the water and stuff. And uh, from that from that point on, yeah, I was like, this is more of just like a traditional it's like John Wick or something. Um, but uh, I um, I was really, uh, you know, taken aback when the, the su- supposedly main character gets killed. You know, that was like, whoa, I was not expecting that because it's kind of he's presented as the main character. And um, the ending, I, I did like the ending a lot where he meets his brother. And that, I thought that was a really powerful scene. Yeah, that was a good scene. Yeah. Yep. And um, showing that you know, delivering the message was not the journey. What the journey was, was all about meeting his brother and telling him what happened. Um, I thought that was really well done. And um, so, yeah, that was stuff like that. I mean, again, I'm not really getting, I don't really know a lot about, you know, the technical stuff when it comes to world war one, but just from the directing and the storytelling and stuff and the actors being able to carry it all. I was very impressed with all that. Go ahead, Nate. Oh, I I was just going to chime in on what you mean. Like, um, the the I do I do a hundred percent agree with you that even though the story may not be the best in narrative, the mm-hmm. the actors playing characters in those parts make those characters come alive. Yeah. Um they are as phenomenal acting all the way through even to the extras. Mm-hmm. There's never I was just, I was just gonna bring that up. The yeah, extras. the extras Everything the extras was... do really good and the B characters do really good. One of my there's two two really good parts in this movie that I love. One is uh, Bennett Cumberbatch as the as the colonel or whatever at the end, and then I really love the guy. Uh, I can't remember his name, but he's in Band of Brothers. Uh, he's the guy who gets shot in the face in the yeah, at the hall. at the at the hall he's hall. hall. Yeah, he Andrew does. Scott is the actor. I can't. Yeah, I can never remember his name. He does. He's he's a phenomenal actor, but he. Yeah. I love the character he plays in this. This nonchalant like. All right, just throw me the fucking thing when you get cut down, please. At least, like, I don't care. Yep. Like, and and yep. like, just those characters and the casting of those characters are really well done, and mm-hmm. and it really does show a lot of really unique characters. And like, and like Mike, Mike was gonna, was saying as well, it's like the acts, the, the extras, the everything, just awesome. Yep. Um, and and I really say that that also makes the the movie really stand out. However, again, the narrative is. It, we we we've experienced worse. It's not like it's it's awful. It's not like it's the worst thing I've ever seen or anything like that. It's just it just feels like you have this grandiose thing, a pedestal that this movie's propped up on, 
And to me, at least, I see all this really good effort. But the story, not that the story has to be phenomenal, but it just doesn't feel original. And not that anything can feel original these days, but I mean, it just it just didn't feel original. And it's I, a and journey. I, yeah, it's a journey. It's it's not the 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 whole point of it is not that's not the plot. The plot is the journey. Right. You know, that's that's the journey. That's right. the story. The story is the journey. Brian. Brian. Yeah, and so that's where I just. I don't know. You, it's a really well. You have, you have milk toast <laughs> tone going on right now, by the way. <laughs> I know. It's just. <laughs> I said it's a beautifully shot movie without much meaning. I mean, I feel like this movie is just a sign of the modern times of filmmaking. Like, it can't just be a World War One movie. It has to be this like extravagant World War One movie about like this, you know, things that never happened to really anyone, but they're strung along this adventure path. Like, at some points, I thought he was going to... After they got out of the river, I thought he was going to, like, walk and meet Frodo. I'm just like, what? <laughs> what is going on here? Maybe that's like, why you know, I like it. <laughs> I don't know. That's it's, why I, it kind of gets a little far-fetched after that. that well, town, but there's you know? there, there's just enough in this thing where I don't feel like it's World War One. Like, the beginning, where they have the really nice fields and stuff. Okay, yeah, there was countryside. But then they walk into a trench. You know, artillery misses. And they have really bad barrels. And there's shell holes, like within the first three miles of the front. So like, that's not really right. You know, you're walking into a hellscape in the rear and how clean everyone was up until the front line, how quiet it was. I mean, yes, the Germans pulled it, whatever, all that bullshit. But like, you know, the one thing they say at 1101 on November 11th, 1918 was how fucking quiet it got all of a sudden everywhere right. along the whole front from the fucking, from Switzerland to the sea, you know? So it, I don't know. It's just, it's really well made and it's very interesting. It's really good gear. You know, they did a lot to include a lot of history. Like you have some Gurkhas and other, you know, regiments represented at times. Yeah. Oh, Sikh. Yep. Um, which is awesome into the sea, but it's, uh, I don't know. It just, it's just world war one action adventure film that like at some point just gets really strange. Like, I'd honestly rather watch um, War Horse again. Yes! <laughs> because really? that, feels, that feels more historically accurate to me. Like, this is just something really well shot, and they're like, oh, shit, how do we piece it together? And then at the end, it's like Saving Private Ryan at the fucking field, field you know, station. Ryan? Ryan? Like, what, what are you, what's going on here? Like, all you need is is uh, the commando fucking riff at the end. Like, all that left was bodies. You know, as he, like, walks down the road to, like, find a prostitute. I think the last scene know. was emotional enough to where I wasn't feeling that way. <laughs> but, yeah. Understood, but I, I don't know. Just the film, to me, just... Uh, so Brian's a psychopath, is what you're saying. Yeah. It was beautifully shot, but it just didn't make sense. I mean, you're telling me that there's no other way to communicate a battalion in 24 hours that's nine miles away from your front line and you're a general. Like, two dudes. Pigeons. Good luck. Okay. I took care of it. File closed. Pigeons. Next thing. Bird like, rats. Pigeons. You, you, you can't send a pigeon or a messenger to a, an airfield to drop a message. Like, there, there's so many ways. That's a modern <laughs> yep. war. It's not... It's not marathon. Well, go tell Greece. You know, go tell Athens that we won. Okay. Can can, like, no, can I? Not that time. Can I only say that that? And this is what I'm feeling from you and your feelings for it is that 
I feel like you you are feeling like this could be any time period and you could still do this movie. Am I wrong or right mm-hmm. for you? Your inter- you? Your feeling on this movie. It's like it, Paul it, says he's ready, by the way. Okay. Oh, cool. Oh, come on in. Bring in the woodage. Yeah, if you want to, um, we're all synced up, so if you just want to jump into what you think about the film, and then we'll just roll conversation with that. Okay, great. So, hi, everybody. I'm glad to be here. And the film, I love the cinematography. I love the uniforms. They're pretty good. The action and all that is quite good. The single shot thing. But the history is like of old pants, basically, and it annoys me. Um, so yeah, that's my that's my two two sides of the coin. Damn, I love that. I love that. Very succinct, and that's pretty much what we most of us very are. professional. I, you can tell this yes. man talks for a living, so it's fine. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, 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 yeah. Unlike 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 me in my basement dwelling gremlin lair. So it's totally fine, yeah. Yeah, so I, I, I actually get out in public. I'm a geek, but I meet people. So, you know, I'm not sitting here in my, you know, my dirty underwear uh, with my mum bringing me in occasionally. Although I have got a bowl of cheesy, cheesy poofs. Oh, nice. Perfect. Aww. Cheesy poofs. <laughs> you'll fit right in. So, so, yeah, you'll be, so, you'll be just So fine. pretty much before you jumped on, like we, oh, I just headbutted the mic. There we go. Uh, pretty much what uh, <laughs> what we've we've we did before you jumped on was we. I pretty much chimed in about how the cinematography is wonderful and all that other kind of stuff, but the story's kind of blah blah. And Brian went on some kind of melancholy melancholy you know drab about how he just doesn't like it. You so it's like, <laughs> <laughs> well, not that. It's just it's a World War 1 adventure film that doesn't really make a lot of sense. It's really nicely shot and stuff, but just you know, it's like if Marvel got their you know, if Marvel made a World War 1 adventure film, this is what it would be. Like I, I mentioned earlier that, you know, when they after the whole dam and river section, like when he was coming out of the water, I swear to god, he was going to go meet Frodo. Or something, yeah, or like that, you guys had mentioned earlier, shit, like the revenant bit is the worst bit. But for for <laughs> me, I mean, I kept I was kind of skipping through watching it again this afternoon. It reminded me of it's like Seven Pride Ryan in the First World War. The setting is authentic, but the actual story is shit. That's the they've had to find some means of taking these characters on a journey, and the journey is interesting, but it has nothing to do with 1917 and the German Hindenburg Line and what's actually happening on the front there. And it seems to me as if the scriptwriters just fail to understand completely exactly what the Germans are doing and what the British were doing, and, and, and based on that misunderstanding, made up a whole plot that ended up making it look like they didn't understand what the British and Germans are doing in 1917. Mm. Agreed. I like that. Very well put. Microphone yeah. drop. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I can explain I mean, why that is if you are. I mean, I'm a World War Two guy, but I know enough about World War One to, to, to be dangerous. You know? Yes, yeah. Well, and I, I wanted to I wanted to wait until you got here to start going into the technical and tactical aspect of it. Because like you just commented, like the uniforms I thought were pretty I'm not a Commonwealth expert, but from what I do know, I thought they were pretty good. They had a good variation of different they had the 1916 leather. Um, kit, you know, the 1907 standard, but they had the newer guys have the 19, 1916. You see the older guys wearing the 1916 actual Brody, and then you see the newer guys wearing the rim 1917, and some of them have their unit crest on them, some of them don't. Some of them have like that black band painted around them and stuff like that. So the, um, the distinctive unit insignia I thought was very well done, even though I don't know what it means. I, I, I understand what it's there for, but I don't know the units and all that stuff like that. 
but I thought it was really good. Um, with that, the the putties, the helmets, the gear, the jerkins, all that stuff. I thought really, and not just for the main two, but for all the Commonwealth guys. That's that was my opinion on that. What do you think? I mean, definitely, and they had the right guy. I mean, there's there's two World War One go-to guys in the film industry. They're my mate Taft Gillingham, and this was Andy Robertshaw. Taft Gillingham, I think, is is gold place. Andy is silver place. But Andy has been doing. He's worked at the National Army Museum, all these places for years and years and years. And I can see his influence in the way the webbing is worn, the way the uniform has been. There. All that stuff is just on screen. But he didn't have any, as far as I know, didn't have any input on the script and the overarching story he was just there it to shows. get those kind of details right i mean you could you could pick holes and say the inclusion of the of the black troops was a bit kind of tropey because they were fight they were the odd genuine british black soldier but like ran but there were west african and, and, and african units serving in their own right but i can understand why they threw a couple in the truck there just to kind of be cool and and yeah and a sikh as well yeah, yeah. but and so you can, I could see his positive influence there, but he obviously had no input on where the story was going, and and probably probably wasn't even there on set. Once they, I, I'm guessing, once they get into the storytelling bit, because he will be there when they when they're out when, at the beginning, at the end, when they're when they're equipping people in the trenches, that's when he'd have been there. But when they're doing all the you know the the, the isolated farm bit and the river stuff, and you know he's he wouldn't, I don't expect he'd even be there. Mm. No, and 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 one of the things that we had said before he jumped on was like it seems like to me like mike b and i had expressed that we love the story or we thought the story was very intriguing and interesting until he gets knocked out and then it's like the rest it just kind of goes out the window and the for second me, half of the movie yeah and for me and, and i had said before it was like the 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 movie it seems like the 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 shots lead the story not the story leads to shots yeah yeah and yeah. and 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 that's what i see in the later half it's like oh well we want flares to go over this ruined architectural cathedral and that and so then so he's going to run through this town and do all this stuff and then how are we going to get oh he's going to jump in the river and it's like that's the shot leading the story to me to me now who knows but like that to me as as an editor and and you know a cinematographer in a way it's like that's what i see that was leading the whole entire premise of the story so i got almost like the thing vibes from that section with all like the soundtrack and the lighting and everything and it's like <laughs> you know you talk about the end of again, the thing where they're going through the burned uh camp yeah with, when he's yeah. going through the burned camp and everything yeah. and just like it's so ominous and it's like you know it's cool don't get me wrong yeah but it's, it's like, beautiful. But it's is, absolutely beautiful. But think, the, yeah. but again, this it's like that. And that set well, is immaculate. Think of yes, yeah. You know, uh, God. Um, for some reason, it's it's blanking on me. But think of the Kubrick World War One film that we did on here, Paths, Paths of Glory. Glory. You know, Paths with the one, fucking awesome film. flare yeah. shots. Yeah, and everything. And it's like that's real terror. That's you're you're in no man's it, land. Stuff. To me, like, it's oh like my God. The, the concept mm -hmm. meeting. Someone said, "So what are you looking for here? Trench warfare, open warfare." Um, you know, movement, um, um, urban, urban uh, and someone just went, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. All much. of that. Yeah. Plus, that was, yeah. everything. The Germans yeah. also like, okay, so that town sequence too, like that's the most of the Germans that we see. And it's, it's look how you said, Brian, like the thing, like it's kind of depicted almost like a monster movie. Like they come running out of nowhere and just start shooting and stuff and like hip that. Firing? Yeah, hip firing. What the fuck yeah, is what the fuck going all that, all that's right, that guy who's yeah. running at him and just goes, Where's yeah. multiples? Yeah. That's what I'm saying. It's like a it's, monster yeah, movie at that point. Yeah. And so, yeah, I did like the the British gunplay was decent. The the um, Showfield when he took when he took the pilot out after he stabbed Blake, mm -hmm. that actually was pretty damn good because he goes wham, and he wham, again, yeah. 
best with scene the in the movie, yep. but but then didn't really make any sense with what was going on with like the whole plane crashing. But once that oh, happened, but, like that, you know. it shot so well. The gunplay is awesome, and it's like it's so well made. But I, you know, can I say this it, though? It, uh, that that leading up to that though, that plane, like that when they're looking at it, like I thought that was really good. Where it's just they're just mm-hmm. flying. You just hear like. Bop, bop, bop. Yeah, it's not like crazy the, fucking action Maxim. or anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's like, not a P fifty one Mustang in World War One, right? Which is what, yeah. you <laughs> what you hear, what you hear. Once the, yeah. the once the crash happened, it's like dun 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 dun. I'm like, okay, so now we're going back to traditional movie. But uh, it's like the end of Pearl Harbor. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> dumpster fire. But something can be really cool visually and have no actual historical yep. substance, and that that is my that's my problem with it. And as the resident Brit here. Mm-hmm. I think it, it kind of in, reinforces the lions led by donkeys kind of idea in the colonel who he's got to get the message to. What what the fuck is he doing advancing two battalions? Is it, again, it comes back to this fundamental dis- misunderstanding of what the Hindenburg line was and what the Germans have been doing. And the fact the British were completely aware that the Germans have been building a new set of defences five miles behind or so behind the lines they've been, they've been choosing where to build them on the higher ground in the villages like Bulkor, which maybe is what the village in the movie is meant to kind of be. I don't know. Um, and, and all the Allies didn't know was when exactly the Germans were going to fall back. Uh, and even that, they began to realise two or three days before. But in the movie, you get this ridiculous idea that this colonel's been off on his own, just leading his two battalions, who's misunderstood what the Germans are doing, and, and got himself trapped. And and yet, they know exa- he's lost, and yet they know where he is, which to me is a complete paradox, in that he's either lost, or they, if they know where he is, he's got a message through. Because they know See? where he is. But if he hasn't got a message to, how can he? And then if you want to get a message back to him, just drop one from a fucking aircraft. Then again, that's my whole bloody problem. Is yeah, that's what we that's just what said, we said before you I mean, the telephones were probably working. Anyway. Have the guy run to the flying corps airfield and then get a fucking plane in the air. I mean, this yeah, is 1917. Like... I mean, th- this is when the Allies are. They're not quite got air super supremacy yet but they're kind of they're getting better at it they've got reconnaissance aircraft in the air all the time it's not like the world war one in this in this area in the hindenburg line is spread over a large area you've only got to fly a few miles and you can see exactly what the germans are doing and so the whole premise i I think somewhere on the line the filmmakers got confused about the germans like pulling the hindenburg line retreat out of their ass as some kind of tactical (laughs) brilliant (laughs) maneuver they've come up with when in fact it was been planned for months and months and months the allies knew it was happening and 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 as soon as the Germans started retreating, the, the British and the Allies, and, and we mustn't forget all the Aussies and New Zealanders and everybody else, began putting the pressure on the German retreat as an organised front. It wasn't... The, it, it, it's By 1917, the British Army, the Commonwealth, is, is starting to become the professional army it was. It was very nearly there. It was three-quarters of the way there. By 1918 when you guys get involved as well, that everybody was 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 operating really skillfully. We, we've moved on from 1915 and 1916 where we're learning the game. We're doing, we know what we're doing by now. And it, and this, you know, the colonel being, you know, lost and having... And if you do have to get... Well, why send two guys? I don't... The whole two guys thing just makes... It makes no sense. And how, how far have they got to go? The Hindenburg... What? I, I, <laughs> this, this is the problem is because... Sorry, I'm ranting now. No, no you're cool. fine. We, we, we encourage Tr- ranting. Um, trust trust me, beautiful. you should yeah. hear some of the rants we've gone on. Oh, yeah, it happens. Yeah. Yeah. You've done plenty of them, mate. Yes, um, I have. What the fuck do you mean, Master Commander's not amazing? What's wrong with yeah. you? Yeah. 
anyway, um, so uh, th- that's that's the thing where it's when and I you see this all the time when it comes to historical war films. It's like, OK, the filmmaker thought of the idea. They didn't know anything about the, the how this shit actually works, but they thought of the idea. Oh, this is a great idea for a movie, a movie about a guy sending a message. And that but it's like and then but then he wrote the movie and all that stuff without actually researching how that would actually happen, yep. because he thought of the premise and built everything around that it had nothing to do with the actual how it would happen. I mean, we see that in movies all the time. Oh, fuck yeah. yeah. But that's the thing. And that, and you can just see the origins of that. I can just see the guy like coming up with the idea in his brain. Oh, this would be a great idea. You know, we 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 and I, again, I think I out of everyone here, I think I like it the most. But like I can understand what you're saying and I can totally like okay, I get it. But um that, uh, that's always to be, the case. To, to quantify, I don't dislike it, but I, li- right, I yeah, like yeah, it yeah. in the way I like where eagles stare or guns on that road. It, it doesn't <laughs> yeah. have a historical setting. I like it purely because it's quite a good story, reasonably right. well told, that grips me. But right. I don't, I don't. But I think that I don't know how it was advertised over there. But in in Europe, it was advertised coming coming off the back of um, you know the 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 redone footage of Peter Jackson's film. It, they they were trying to suggest. It was sort of historically based and it was a real effort to attempt to, to kind of move away from the 1916 idea of the Somme and, and try and tell a story of, of how the British were beginning to win the war. But, it, but the script and the, and, and the finished film did not suggest that they had any idea about what the British Army right. was doing in 1917. So they were trying to sell it as if they're just saying it's like Inglorious Bastards in World War One. Fine, I'm happy with that. Just if you're if you're just using it as a loose place to set an action film, I'm completely fine with that. The movies most World War Two historians who I know like are the fantasy ones. They are the the Kenny's heroes and the Where Eagles Dare and all that kind of stuff. Um, <laughs> and and it, but this movie's not. I don't think it's trying to sell itself as that. It's trying to sell itself as a fairly fairly serious historical portrayal. And if you're if you're setting your if that's your pitch, then this this sales pitch has has badly backfired. And 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 I think I think it's really interesting that you said something about the the advertising stuff like that because I don't know if you guys remember, but I remember it being advertised as an action, like not an action movie, but like a historical based action movie, oh, yeah. uh, drama even, and it mainly was focusing on like he's running out of time, ding 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 ding, you know, like that kind of thing. Very very hyped, hyped. very very. you know it's like and and i can totally understand because i i also remember watching they shall not grow old a couple months before that and i was also thinking it was gonna like kind of ride the 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 coattails of that and i i thoroughly enjoyed that 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 documentary i love that i love that whole entire restoration work that he did um and and i i think it's 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 i'm so glad you brought that up because i was thinking about that i was like well maybe maybe it was like you know kind of advertised wrongly or weirdly or you know stuff but that uh, makes i sense. think it was definitely advertised differently in the countries because in yeah. you know obviously the great war is less of a thing for you guys than it is for brits and new zealand so yes. right. even though the biggest battle yep. you've ever participated as a nation with 1.3 million was mers argonne in 1918 but yeah. i mean in britain it was coming out at the, t- at the end end of the centennial of the remembrance, looking back at World War One, we'd had all these things and exhibitions in London and Paris and stuff. So it came out in 2019. So it's just you know that armistice, um, 
So I think that's why in 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 where in my part of the world it was presented in a very kind of serious way, whereas the average American moviegoer doesn't have that contextual idea of the First World War, so they think they just tried to sell it over there as like a like a Dunkirk countdown kind of movie. Yes, a hundred percent. Yes, um, yes. Um, yes. Which again, Dunkirk didn't have much cultural reference to you guys over there compared to a Brit, where we all kind of grow up with the. Dunkirk is like Iwo Jima for us. It's got that same kind of, it's in our DNA, yeah. mm-hmm. um, but not for you guys. I mean, you know, Americans hadn't ever heard of Dunkirk. I mean, not, not people like yourselves, but your average <laughs> yeah. American hadn't heard of Dunkirk prior, yeah. To, yeah. prior to Harry Styles running about on the beach. So, right. um, <laughs> Christopher Nolan. Yeah. So, yeah. so I think I think it's interesting how it was advertised in those two. In 19, in, I don't think it got a full cinema release in France either. I don't think, I think in... I believe I'd even buy my buy my Blu-ray in the UK because I don't think it came out on general release even on Blu-ray in France, which is I don't know quite why, but in Britain definitely had a sort of serious. This is sort of part of the centenary package kind of serious study of of the the of the uh, this chapter of our history. So that's interesting. Hmm. I do, I remember it feeling like because I remember I saw Facebook trailers for it all the goddamn time, and. Um... It's it, it did have more of that like Dunkirk kind of very cinematic Nolan look to the whole like trailer and the feels and stuff like that. So and again, like you know, timing is everything when it comes to marketing. So of course, you know, they're gonna try and cash in on the big things, you know, like Dunkirk and stuff like that. Um, and they will uh, they shall not grow older. I haven't seen that actually yet. So it's it's I actually have watch. You it. should watch it. What? Really? No, go watch it. It's good. Yeah, it's it's wonderful. It's awesome. It's really it's well really done. cool. I, I've heard the the, yep. the and I'll keep it very quick. There's footage that hadn't been seen in over a hundred years, and they mm-hmm. restored like they rescanned the negatives, mm-hmm. and they and mm-hmm. they so so stuff that was over contrasted or 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 so blown out you couldn't see anything. Yeah. They corrected yep. it. And okay. there's footage that's never. I, been I, I seen. know it's all not, about it's it. Really, but awesome. I just have never seen it. Right. And yeah. it's not dubbed. It's just interviews from guys in the '60s talking about the they, war. They they lip over. They, it. There's no dubbing. Well, they lip. They, they 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 redub. They re. They well. They 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 got people who could read lip syncing. And so they, were, the things, yeah. they were reading oh, some of it. Yeah, yeah, some of it, yeah. And they were yeah. like, seeing what they were though, saying, yeah. what they were doing, and they redo all the sound work and all that stuff to, to make a story from the original footage. And they're kind of taking stuff from letters, and this has been a really quick ad read for Shadow Girl. But but like yeah. it's it's wonderful. You should absolutely watch it. It's it's yeah, well nice. worth your time, yeah. Um so going back to this movie though, like I mean, immediately what I was impressed with, um now, and you guys can tell because I'm again I'm not really I get, I get, I hear conflicting things all the time with depictions of trenches, you know, in various movies and such. I thought the trench set in the begin was fucking awesome. Like I thought it would look really cool and everything like that. And then the German one is concrete. What, what are your thoughts on the whole thing, Brian? You go first. Well, one thing I'll mention is that what I thought was interesting is that they tried to use the most that they could out of each set and out of each shot. So if you notice, they took the longest wrap possible through everything, like especially when they went through the crowds and stuff. And it was fine, like the first two takes, but like after like the fourth scene where it's like, you know, like going around shit for like kind of no reason, it's like, oh my God. But no, I agree with you. The, the beginning trenches were awesome. And I liked how the German trenches were a little different than the British trenches. The concrete. You know, and they tried to, yeah, they tried like to the- show things a little different. The Entente, they usually, because they their their whole philosophy was... Um, we want to be uh, we want to be offensive, and so they never really made their well not not never but usually didn't make their trenches 
as elegantly and as permanently as the central powers would, or especially Germany on the Western front. And so that's why this one looks fairly new. It looks like it's only been dug a few weeks before that tops. It's been hit, but it hasn't been rained on. There's no duck boards in the bottom. It's not that deep. Um, and so that would indicate that it's kind of a hasty trench, right? And that's pretty cool. Um, and then the, the chalk one at the end is an extremely hasty trench. I mean, that's got no amenities to it, no dugouts. It's just literally a trench in the chalk, which is also pretty, that was a pretty cool touch. What do you think, uh, Paul? Which, which suggests also that they did have some kind of grasp on where the war was at that, that part of early 1917, because after the third battle of Ypres, which this is meant to be, the British had, 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 yeah, you know, the British and German lines had been quite static for a long, long time. And the Hindenburg line, as I said earlier, the Germans have been building it away from the front line. They've had time to choose the area. They're using or pouring a lot of concrete. There's lots of sophistication to their bunkers there, um, and the British are having to move up quickly to to to, to push to keep the pressure on the Germans. So they are moving from temporary trench to temporary trench, um, and yet they've also they are. At this point in the film, they were also showing that, the, that, that there had been that learning curve of the front trench, then the rear trench and the support trenches. You do get that sense of it being, I think there's still some people who genuinely think there's a single trench that runs its way from yeah. the coast of France down. And there's a single there German are, trench. There I mean, we did a show on terrifying. World War One TV, Shameless Plug, with Taff Gillingham yeah. a couple of weeks ago, where he talked about yeah the, what trenches actually bloody well look like. And, I, and so someone has influenced this film cleverly enough to accurately portray the trenches for the particular era they're setting the movie in. And as you said earlier, Mike, the, the uniform details of kind of the guys who've been there a bit longer with some earlier gear, with the guys getting, you know, straight off the, uh, off the boat with the newer gear, all that was done very well. And yet they fundamentally, as I said earlier, and I'm going to repeat myself, misunderstood what the, the pullback, the German retreat back the Hindenburg line was. Although maybe they, they did understand it, but just didn't care because, they still wanted to get their story in, as you said, Mike, earlier. They had their idea for the story and they were gonna make and they were gonna fit that story into this setting, you know, square heg, heg through circular hole, regardless of the historical accuracy of, of the situation. It it's really funny that now you mentioned that because I, I, I just was really I was thinking about it as you said it. They don't show that many Germans in this movie at all. The like, most we get is that town sequence. Like you get the said. town sequence, and they're very poorly equipped. They don't have all their gear on. It's it's random mosh, mosh posh of, of gear. And I really think, like, just thinking about it out loud just now, it's like normally when we see most movies of this of this era, it's like you see the you see the enemy of some kind, even if it's just a trench line shot of guys firing into into guys, you know, attacking. You don't have that in this movie. And the attack front that you do see near the end of the film, you don't see the other side. And I, I think it's I think it's a that's a very unique um, a way to to film it. Obviously for the one shot thing because you're with the one guy. And unless he runs into Germans, a lot of Germans, you're not going to see that. But it is just thinking out loud. It's like they have all this good gear and all this good stuff. But maybe you're saying like maybe they don't know that much about Germans or the the whole history of the German side. Maybe that also has something to play with it as well. It's like you know just just to show that event that you know that retreat and all that kind of stuff because you're not actually having the subjects there. So I, I would, uh, you know, if, if I could do it, I would have the Germans never be seen in the movie. Honestly, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have that. The pilot maybe is, is okay, but like, I think it would have been way better if we just never even saw them, you know? 
it adds that element of um, realism yeah. where most of the time you don't, you don't yeah. really see your enemy until and, you're and up close. And the one time you actually see him up close is in when he gets when he shoots him in the house when yeah. he falls down the stairs. And and mm-hmm. remember what we said, like after that point, the movie kind of goes downhill in quality in that sense, or story and whatever. I mean, well, again, it, goes, it goes down in quality when he steps on that fucking bridge and that first shot's taken. Right, yeah, yeah. But we can yeah, discuss yeah, yeah, that yeah, later. Yeah. He's quickly a Paul go. What there's a movie that does that where you don't see the enemy. Forrest for, Gump uh, did it. Paz of Glory also. Uh, yeah, Paz of Glory is it? did it. I think yeah, okay. Maybe that's what I'm thinking of. But yeah, yeah. Or, or until the very end, like you see a shoulder. Or no, am I thinking of Canal? Maybe that's you what might I'm be doing. thinking Yeah. Well Dunkirk so. as well, really. Yeah, that, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah maybe yeah, you're right. Yep. Except until in, the end. Uh, unless yep. you count mm-hmm. like Stukas, but that's not really a you know. Yeah. Wow! Yeah. yeah, no. So, so that's just Hans. The the, the lack yeah. of Germans. I'm I'm going to give the movie makers credit where it may not be due because it may have been accidental. But again, playing a bit of history. Okay, so after the 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 Eep offensives, third battle of Eep, the problem is is that the Germans have been their line is no longer the efficient kind of straight line it was because there's been all these bulges pushed in by British American well not American sorry British Australian New Zealand Commonwealth advances. So the Germans are now there are not enough Germans defending their line because where the line was straight over 50 miles, it's still covering 50 miles, but it's going in and out. So it's actually 150 miles long. So hence part of their reason to want to pull back to the Hindenburg line, which was an efficient line where they could you know, have le- defend less frontage on better high ground, with including some villages there. And if this movie is meant to be set at the time when the Germans are in the process of pulling... Because it, it's not like they all just fucked off you know 10 to 5 (laughs) on a thursday afternoon it was an ordered withdrawal where entire divisions are moving back the line so if they are meant to be catching it which would seem to be suggested by the script at the moment where the germans are moving themselves back that would be why there are jump trenches that have have no one in them because they've just left and yet they've not all fully got back to the new the new positions on the hindenburg line so maybe they knew that and that was a conscious decision to have less Germans there because that was, was genuinely what's going on or maybe it was because it was a storytelling idea as you said there about not having too many Germans in the shot I mean it could it could be both or it could be a, a happy accident they could have just I may be seeing something into it that, that wasn't there I don't know <laughs> no, I, I don't know either um, but uh, I, I, I as a style choice I would have had it to where because the movie shouldn't be about that the movie shouldn't be about you know the enemy or whatever like that and also there's really no nothing to the germans in this movie they're all just kind of running around like monsters and shooting and stuff and uh you know well and my question is why in the fuck if they're because those lines like like paul said those lines were like they were moved like what four or five miles back yeah. in most places yeah, but it, 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 i mean that's a, from where the bulges were but from between five to about 12 miles back yeah. but it's a significant distance it's significant, right? So why in the fuck are you going to have Germans like, I don't know, 500 yards away from that abandoned line, like just chilling out in a town getting drunk? Yeah. I mean, what, what's the point of that? I don't know. I mean, the boogeyman and the knight like, have moved in. I mean, what, are you trying to leave stragglers there as skirmishers? But like, you're already fucking five miles. It's a town where the river thing happens. If that, you know, that one of the choices the Germans made with the Hindenburg line was to, in, to include villages. Because they had learnt that villages are, are a fucking nightmare to attack. With both yeah. sides are getting a little bit better at trench warfare. 
but fire and maneuver moving through villages has neither side has been doing that for fucking years in this part I mean, in eastern front yes but no one's been doing that so they were deliberately trying to the germans think of ways of making life really difficult for the allies because they know that the allies are winning the war of numbers that the numerically their forces are getting are dwindling it's like 1943 and 44 in the second world war the germans know by this point they know they know after 1916 even though they've had some success at the beginning of the Somme and what have you, they know by the end of 1916, it, they're there for the taking. It's just a matter of time now. So they're looking at trying to make it as damn awkward as they can for the Allies as they move forward. So if that village in the movie is meant to be somewhere like Bulkor, which is where the Australians had, had an epic, epic great battle, then that would that could justify for the fact that they, they they were putting less troops in those villages because they knew they were a nightmare to attack because you use artillery. And by the way, artillery is the other thing that the colonel, the colonel who's lost, who has done that advance, why the hell is he not doing it in the way the British did advances by 1917, which is part of a massive great combined arms, blah, 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 as you did there, the, the creeping barrages, the air, the aircraft, the whole lot there. What, why is he going off on some you know glorified Rambo kind of, let's just have a little furry we don't know where we're going again it suggests that british officers are stupid mm. and have to be rescued by corporals um which, which is which is ridiculous <laughs> right um well, and it suggests that the british troops the really quick about that final attack that first wave that goes out a couple things here why in the whole chicken fried fuck would you go out in front of the line that's about to go over the top and run perpendicular to these fuckers with bayonets on them when there's artillery when you could have just jumped up the rear where there's literally nobody standing and run down that way hey that's the one question i have b why okay there were absolutely no um squad platoon or company tactics being taking place on that field most of, from what i understand most i mean most troops in general on all sides they would be in formations, certain formations. They would be moving at a uh, basically a fast walk because they don't want to expend all their energy because then if they get to the trench, if you've been sprinting for 700 yards with full kit on and you get to a trench, how the fuck are you supposed to fight? How the fuck are you supposed to take that trench? You can't. So them just sprinting like a bunch of Soviets that are portrayed in films, just a gaggle fuck too. There was no organization to it. There was no... There was no uh, machine gun teams. There was no uh, command and control. There was no officers or NCOs telling their guys where to go and to stay, you know, okay, the artillery is increasing, so spread out. There was none of that. It was just this giant, like, again, it's a trope. It's a fucking trope of the First World War. Of everybody just gets up when the whistle goes, and they just run towards the other if line. If Taft Gillingham was here, who's, who's the First World War advisor, the, you know, the top one, and I've known him for 30 years, he would say the slow walk, is the hardest thing as a military advisor to sell to a filmmaker. You can explain oh, yeah, all not, the logic behind it, it that exists. And it's basically, as you said, there. Yep. there's no way you want to be running across no man's land and then get to a point where you've got to take an enemy position and then hold it against counterattacks if you're fucking knackered. There's, the only way to do that is walk slowly so the artillery can keep its eye on you. You can, you, and you, But that on screen looks really shit so i suppose <laughs> people running forward is going to always win the cinematic argument even though it's totally 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 silly and you're completely right i hadn't thought about the the perpendicular run now that's going to annoy me now <laughs> that's, that's <laughs> so, fucking, so stupid run forest run yeah. well he keeps like bumping into people and i'm like you dumb fuck like oh anyway yeah. go ahead brian 
Uh, oh shit, I lose my train of thought. Oh, you're over. Th- um, you're almost over thirty. This happens. Oh fuck you. <laughs> uh, oh shit, I think I did. But um, can, no fuck. Can, can I say one yeah, thing and you think about what you, you go, forgot? Yeah, shit. almost thirty year old. Um, <laughs> the, oh fuck, did I just forget? <laughs> I can't. Oh damn it! That's Karma's a fucking bitch. That's what happens Nate. when you're over thirty. Oh oh, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. I remembered it. I remembered it. I remembered it. I remembered it. <laughs> Uh, the one, the one thing I, I will say that I love getting when we when we bring people on and we start talking about films and we start p- picking at things that maybe one of us had not noticed. I love when the other person goes, "Oh fuck, now I can't unsee that." Yeah, it's gonna bother. It's oh. happened to me a few C- times Chris, already. Chris with Siege Jadaville yeah. was like, "I love this movie," and then we started like picking little things here and there. And he's like. <laughs> Well, I thought I liked this movie. We're like, well, why don't you tell us the movie you really like? He's like, no, no, I don't want you to ruin that. Well, don't, for don't me. say anything about Cedar Jadaville. I'll ask about because I really like that movie. So don't, don't spoil it's a it. good, it's a good movie. I like that movie. It's a, it's a really There's good movie. There's some problem just, with physics. Some don't stuff. get any stuff on the Brennan Gun bit. That's yeah. not. That's not. That's just. What? What you like? You like shooting Colonel Sanders at three hundred yards with an open sight? Like <laughs> you've got a number four Mark One T sitting right there. I think Brian remembered. I think song, Brian yeah. remembered. Go ahead, Brian. I remembered. Yeah. So it's. A, I was going to mention this too. There's actually a shot in the film that reminded me of uh, a Kubrick movie, part of Barry Lyndon, which is a very short scene from I think the Seven Years War, but it's shot amazingly, and it's the side shot of the Redcoats marching in the field you know, with rifles at their waists and guys are getting hit as are going across. And, you know, Paul, as you mentioned it, you know, to a filmmaker, it's very hard sell to do that low walk and st- or slow walk, you know, in a field. Well, to me, thinking of what Kubrick did in Barry Lyndon and the one or two shots they emulated that in here, like, I think that's even better than, you know, what has been portrayed. Obviously, it is a hard sell to, like, you know, studios and stuff, but that slow walk across a battlefield with guys getting hit, you not knowing, but you're still calmly going like Waterloo or that kind of aspects, you know, it's just like, I think fuck that's just I a, mean, yeah, you, an aspect you can't really film, but you can add every filmmaker for some reason loves to take the easy way out. I think you could do a, a walking scene like that and make it very effective. You know, like if you make it terrifying, make it terrifying. Yeah, I think you could, I think yeah. you, cause you know, that shot where he's running, that that long thing, you know, that whole thing, that big, it's the money shot of the movie, you know, it's like, everything's built up to that grand moment and, uh, yeah, it's like, this I think could have been, it could have been uh, even more powerful if it was, like, they're walking and he's, like, having to, like, try and get past everybody or something, and then, you know, people are getting hit and stuff like that. Go ahead, Paul. But it's, the, and I'm with you and I think that's one of my other problems with the movie, movies, it ends up becoming, like, I don't know, the trials of Hercules in that he goes from one, how's he going to get out of this shithole to the yeah. next? And they're having to crank it all up every time. Right. And if yeah. you then move, yeah. move towards the final act and you have him as part of a walking, it undermines, from their point of view, all the tension you've cre- cre- carefully brought up with the, the bunker scene, the aircraft scene, the the, the, the river sticks, as I call it, because that's clearly what, where they're going with the metaphors and the, and the yeah the blurring the line between the land of the living and the land of the dead. That's what clearly someone knows their Greek mythology who, who constructed that scene. So then, so then to then have a slow scene towards the climax, because I mean, I, I, I missed out the earlier part of the conversation, but the, 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 the movie doesn't, the arc doesn't pay off. The tension, you reach the point of tension peak tension before the movie's finished and it and at the last bit seems yep. to be anticlimactic to me it doesn't it it doesn't end well um and you you've re- yeah it, it's 
the order of the scenes should have been different in some ways. And 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 in, and that's it's obviously it's, if there's a single message it's trying to get across, it's that war is hell, war is shit, and they, it does that very well. Yep. Except maybe not the way that the First World War was actually genuinely shit. In a lot of it was just boredom. A lot of it was just nothing happening for huge spells of time, followed by flurries of incredibly insanely dangerous action followed by lulls again whereas in this it's just whatever it's meant to be is it meant to be 24 hours i forget what the timeline's meant to be covering is it I think yeah so. like like, so- like 24 36 hours i think it's 24 hours before around a day. Kitchen. yeah around it's because because he because he gets starts knocked- in daylight then there's night then there's daylight yeah it? then he gets knocked out so it must be like 12 to 14 hours or something like that well, yeah. i mean I guess you could say from for cinematic reasons that is kind of like condensing the four years of World War One into that. Maybe maybe that's maybe that's what they're trying to do. Maybe they're trying to show in kind of stylistic choices 14, 19, 15, 16, 17, 18 in a, in the course of a twenty four hour movie. But it, it it's it's it becomes like those you know the old serials that Spielberg was inspired for for Indiana Jones. That kind of let's put up our hero in another unescapable situation, come back after the ad break, although there wasn't an ad break, and then let's see how he gets away from the, the man-eating snake to the next thing he's going to get into. And that that's... Yeah. I, I got to a point halfway through, I went, oh, for fuck's sake. Because, you know... It's, <laughs> yep. You know, what's he? What's it going to be, a boa constrictor next? Then is it going to be a gorilla coming out of a cage? You know, what? How many more... It, it became a bit Indiana, Indiana Jones halfway through. You know, I was expe- you know, half expecting some big seven foot German guy to you know rip his jacket off and have to wrestle. You know that that's where it got halfway through for me. <laughs> He's working on a fucker. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> Go ahead, Mike. Um, I think that uh, honestly, this film should have had the town and the river scenes completely fucking cut out. Yeah, I would, I'd be up for that. Yeah. Yeah, completely, and it would it would have been, in my opinion, a better and more watchable film. It still would have been movie because, yeah, it would have been ninety yeah. minutes roughly, and it's like if you just if you he actually makes okay you have that little interaction with the sniper or whatever who gives a fuck he gets knocked out and then he gets right outside of the village and all of a sudden okay I go southeast or east of here because that's what they said and then he stumbles upon those guys in the woods like maybe he has to cross the river or a creek or something. And you could have still had the same shitty ending, but it wouldn't have been as, like you said, they, you wouldn't have used up. It's like it's like in porn. You have three money shots. Pick one. <laughs> you don't have three in a row unless you're fucking Peter North. But like, they used up all their money shots, and so the last one, didn't A, didn't land. B, it, it made zero fucking sense. And C, it was like, again, like like you said, Paul, it's like it, 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 it messed with the uh, flow of... And it just—it was just an action. It was like a fucking hero movie at that point. I was going to say that the whole—the whole getting a message through, which if if that was a MacGuffin that didn't matter, then it might have worked. If if it if it had been set up to be, you've got to get the message through. But somewhere in the plot, something else happens that means that that isn't what it's about at all. It becomes something else. That right. that I would have bought that kind of payoff. But in the end, it did come about. It did become about the message. And yet, as I said. They're expecting the whole audience to go, but couldn't they have just sent a message by aircraft or so? <laughs> so th- it, that whole that whole point just failed badly for me. Although I don't know that that would have worked to an average with an average audience person would have gone. I don't know, but couldn't they have sent the message by aircraft or radios or oh sorry telephones? Couldn't they have got the telephone lines? I don't know. They're, Pigeons. They're, he can't. That lost that lost unit. Despite the journey made by the hero, it can't have been more than two or three miles ahead 
of the original British. Great. So, so in that, you're not telling me that in that time someone hasn't gone out and repaired the te- even if the telephone line has been down for some point, has it not been repaired by now? They, 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 because the colonel would not have advanced unless he had logistical support to advance. Unless he's a complete idiot. And and if they're saying he's an idiot. That is insulting, as I said earlier, to the kind of the way the British Army is. So if he has been moving forward, he would have had provision to have communications. Otherwise, why the hell is he moving his battalion forward if he can't get reinforced, can't get more ammo brought up, can't get so? So the MacGuffin, if it, if it had been, I don't know, I'm going round the houses with this. But if the MacGuffin had turned out to be that the message wasn't important, that would have worked. But it is important, but it's fundamentally flawed. That whole plot line for me just doesn't bear examination. Yeah, it's just stupid. It's I mean, it's it, it really takes away from the first half. It really it kind of it doesn't overshadow it because I did like the first half, like we were saying earlier. But like it, it just like I think Nader was it Brian earlier. It said it just took a fucking nosedive at that point, like right after the, the whole thing with the, his his buddy dying. It's like it just goes down the shitter and it just doesn't get better. It gets worse. I like the truck sequences. I think those are good. Yeah, that, that's why I said when he gets on the bridge and that first right. round goes off at his feet, that's when the movie fucking mm. ends. Because that scene was cool where they pushed the yeah. truck out. It was cool. That's so what fine. I was just going to add. So yeah. they hired the fucking camp guard from Schindler's List for a sniper. Holy shit, that guy can't hit anything. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> because if you remember, yeah. you know, Bang. like fucking Jesus. It's also 792 by 57 is not going to go through fucking quarter inch. He's standing up. Metal. Right, oh it's, it's a, God, it's a yeah. you know, you got to have a German sniper scene. It's a, it's a <laughs> also, you had, you had, you had no fucking reloads from the time that he, he shot that the, pilot to the. The sniper, man no is reloads. like four times the size of your front sight at that point. Like, come on, you know, like was he drinking too? Obviously, maybe. Yeah. Probably they were all they were all <laughs> fucked up. No, that was maybe uh that was maybe a thirty yard shot. Tops. Yeah, like you know, <laughs> maybe <laughs> every time. But and it was funny that he he was able to pop like fucking nine rounds off, and he's using a G ninety eight. No reload. I mean, unless he's a fucking, you know, done. But I mean, that's not typical. But and then, yeah, what's his name? Um, Schofield didn't reload once. So he fired like 13 rounds with no visible reload, which I thought was a great touch at the beginning when they're about to go over. And he, they were actually using real chargers. You can hear the action and everything. Oh, also one little note I forgot to mention earlier about the equipment. The, the rifles, fucking awesome little detail. Very fucking awesome little detail. There were number one Mark threes and there were number one Mark three stars mm. intermixed. I did because the that one too. that had the magazine cut off on there, yep. and it's like that's an awesome touch because that is extremely realistic for that period. Nice. Um, well, through till the end actually, but the star comes out in sixteen, and then you're gonna see both of them from yep. there on. There's Brian yep. flexing, cut of the month. Well, yep. I do have my number one. Yeah, but that was nice to see the cut off. It really it was a great touch, and it was used correctly. He had it out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. And it was funny, but, it made me look at the other one, I'm like, ah, they're different. So that was yep. nice. And I think, weren't, so, they, weren't they doing the correct port arms, or they weren't doing the stupid modern... They did. Yeah. No, they were doing, when it was relevant, They like when they were going through the house, yeah, they would have done that at that point. Those guys weren't dumb at that point. But yeah, usually it was trail arms. Trail arms, yeah. Or, and it was just, it was just, and it was just kind of like down here. Like, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I didn't see any night, you know, SMLE. There was one, there was one or one two part where he did that, but where he he, he caught himself. Yeah, yeah. I was looking out for he it. Yeah, I didn't. I, it, it, it's yeah. uh, it, you know, it's it the, the what's what's it called? The new um, all choir on the western front was much worse when it came to that. Oh yeah. Jesus Christ! They're going through the trenches with G ninety eights, and they're like, it's like well, still, because these yourself. days they usually get a 
military historian who understand from the current serving who explains it all in terms of how you operate as a unit, but doesn't understand the world. But the, the it was world, different world, back world, then. World, 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 world. But Andy yeah. Robertson on this would have gone in there presumably and told them, "This is how you hold it. This is how you load it." And, that, and I, I've there was there was nothing in the movie that glared to me as being shit in that regard. I felt right. I felt there, there was no moments of oh my god where I just get really annoyed by Kit. And I, I'm quite I can be quite geeky. Um, <laughs> you're talking yeah, to the uh, right group of guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there was one thing I saw that was cool. Before I forget, it, on the back of the officer's neck. Yeah, uh, I was going to ask about the front that. line. There was the number. Was that like a battalion number or a regiment number or something like that? Or I forget that, but yeah, Birch. that was some. It was that that was a certain regiments had 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 a had a rear facing um, bit of insignia. It, yeah, interesting, huh? Yeah, I noticed that, that too. Was pretty Brian. cool. Yeah, just you know the, the little details, but. Um, and before we get to IMFDB, I'll ask this: What is your favorite World War One British movie, or I should say, British aspect film? You know, I can only really think of The Trench as another one, or Beneath Hill Sixty. Yeah, the Trench is good. Um, Journey's End, I quite like that. That is a good movie. Um, yeah, about yeah, five years ago, because yeah. so, uh, Stephen Graham's in it, and he's great. Um, Never seen that. It's really it wasn't good. Very, it wasn't very action, yeah. it, and and I, I like the original, the um, the old Aces High, the the 1976 Malcolm McDowell, which is Journey's End in the Sky, is quite good. Hmm. Um, they just they just take they take exactly the same story, but they put it into the Royal Flying Corps as opposed to in the trenches, and that's quite good. But um, there there aren't that many First World War British movies. No, really. there aren't. Because this is, you know, episode 76. And this is the first British aspect World War One film we've gotten to. We've done French. We've done German. Um, I think we've even done, yeah, we've done American with Sergeant York. There's King but, and Country, know, which really is not... where Dirk Bogard is an mm-hmm. officer defending a guy who's going to be shot for cowardice. I forget mm-hmm. which what, year of the war that set in, but I think, I'm going to say 1916. But it's not, it's it's a courtroom drama, basically. It's not a... I think they made you know, the Paths of Glory scene, yeah. scene at the beginning or something. It's a bit like yeah, a bit mm-hmm. like Paths of Glory, yeah. Uh, uh, it's a breaker. Many it's wars a, ago, Breaker Morant. Yeah, it's amazing how many courtroom drama films. Oh, breaker Morant is you know? an awesome film. Oh yeah, we did that earlier, and it's amazing how much that well the Boer War at least plays into the early aspects of the First World War, with trenches and everything and stuff. But um, yeah, I've seen the original. Uh, what is it, Blue Max? And that's a very interesting not very well done you know yeah, old film uh, <laughs> made in ireland yeah but uh it's interesting i always think of the trench but um yeah, the trench is i good. haven't seen it and it, it benefits now having a, a good cast i mean it wasn't it wasn't necessarily a well-known cast when they made it, it was daniel craig and um um yeah good yeah there was real low budget too and you can definitely yeah. tell but it was it was not it was oh Fuck, the first snow is falling this year. Not good. <laughs> it begins. Oh, oh no. Oh, That's a big deal for Mike. This this is a live depression feed right now. Oh, the, the snow it was holding off so long. The snow is coming into Wisconsin. Anyway, uh the trenches I would say the trench is good too. And at the end they actually did the slow walk. There just was no formation. But that that that's something we should do um on this yeah. channel. We will. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's pretty it's good. So I watched much, it with you that one time. Yeah. Yeah, you watched yeah. it with me, and we had the, we had the same gripes, but it was all, overall a good mm-hmm. movie. Mm-hmm. So, but um, yep. anyway, so, so now it's it's time for IMFTB. Cool. So, good throw the weapons. In so, the so Paul, I didn't see anything that was egregiously fucked. So, so nothing crazy. So, Paul, man. I don't know if you know us, but we're all kind of gun nerds. 
So we, we normally go through IMFDB if there is one for the pay, for the movie, and we go about like, is that right? Is that wrong? And then sometimes we get in heated arguments about whether or not a muzzle nut is actually in danger. Close, and it is, but we're not going to go there. I won't rehash that conversation, but with that's the kind of thing. In depth, it, shut up. <laughs> it go, go in there, and we kind of just jump into that. So... And this one's not too long. It's not. Um, no, 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 no. It's, it's not because it's pretty yeah. simple. What was what was, the, what was the abomination super long one we did recently? It was like like last five episodes. It was horrendously long. Siege of Firebase. Gloria. That was it. Yeah. Oh, that yeah. was awful. Yeah. yeah. That took for fucking ever. There's no fifty cal in here though. Yeah. So the no, there's not. <laughs> yeah, the the Mark Six. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's a. Uh... Mark Six, and was it actually correct in the movie? I didn't see anything that the, it, yeah. it didn't look like it was like you know. Some horrendous, you know, well, those are 1917. Yeah, yeah, but uh, got that really steep trench. Like, <laughs> well, that's that, that's that chalk court. Yeah, that's the chalk, it's a hell of a the chalk trench. And that's an extremely hasty yeah. trench. Mm-hmm. And so. again, it's like this film does a fantastic job of just the the the, the sets. That was I, I. I remembered one thing I do want to ask you, Mike B, because we've had this conversation before about barbed wire. So I'll, I'll go into that after. Oh this, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, thank you for bringing that up. Wanna, yeah. I want to go into that, yeah, because we went through what, yes, we went through a whole deep up. dive of what was appropriate barb over one barbed wire, like what it should they look had like. Both in here. Yeah, they had and, both. And, but, but like, but like how dense and all that. I want to. We'll go into that after. Yep, but yep, yeah, we'll, wanna, we'll get yeah. into that after this. Um, that's a really good. That's a really good important conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So number one, Mark three. SMLE. So something I wanted to ask you, Paul, whenever I, I talk to expats, Brits in the States, and I show them an SMLE or, or a number three, Mark one, like a, like a British Enfield, they always refer to it as a 303. And I've heard that before, you know, how the 303 was just known as like the SMLE. So is that right in that thinking that the 303 is a synonymous with an SMLE in England? Or the UK, I should say. I think the 303, if you use the 303, it could be the SMLE or the number four. I think it just, it means any of that, any of that group. I mean, smelly is the, is the, is the word I yep. use. That's what Devin the, says. A, a smelly, as opposed to an SMLE. Is a that's, what the, that's what they call them. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, Interesting. So, and, I love that. Um, but just but the, like a blanket term, to though. me, would just mean any of them, basically. Um, okay. Or okay. even the pattern 14, technically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I know. I'm just being a nerd. Um, yeah, it was, yeah, so he got the magazine cut off out, which is really cool. Nice. As he should. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> cool. That, that flashlight is really strange, too. I have no idea what that is. Yeah. Like, I don't, I'm not a uh, torch flashlight expert from the It's funny, one. though, they do mention in this thing right here, both soldiers exercised safety practice long before it was taught as standard military practice. Um, mm-hmm. No, they're, they're, they're approaching a possibly hostile... No, they're, they're, they're not... saying that like he would have his finger in the trigger. Oh, he's got yeah, his like... trigger. Dis- I, I didn't see yeah. that in the back. I can't see. But the like the they're okay, holding yeah. the rifles correctly though. Like they're not. They're they, not they are. Up yep. Like this. Yeah. Yep. And then when they get really close, then they're at the high ready, which absolutely you would be. Oh, continuity has fucking bayonets off in this scene. <laughs> no, this, this is a different scene. Completely different. Oh, it's right. It's yeah. after the truck that's, and everything. That's, that's okay, on the bridge after, in the house. That's your yeah. favorite scene. Yeah. Yeah. Shit. yeah. yeah. I thought that was in a bun- in the bunker complex in the trench. No, that, I tried. Um, Dude, I tried to find some continuity, at least on my viewing this week. It's tough. I didn't see any. That it's was really off. Really I know there's probably one or two somewhere, but I, I, you know how some films, it's just like, oh, come on, dude. 
but yeah. That that wire cutter was cool to Which, see. Where? Yes, those were very oh, common. Oh, right there, yeah. Mm-hmm. Very common, starting yep. in the Psalm especially. They had them in 1915, but hmm. the Psalm, they used the fuck out of those things. And from there on out, they were very, very, very common. Yeah, they, they did a great job on the short leaves. I also like the fact they've got uh, enough variety of helmet covers, stroke variations, yes. without yes. it looking like they're putting it. You know, in Dunkirk on the on the on the uh, the jetty, everybody's got a brand new sprayed helmet. It just looks ridiculous because they're meant to be guys from different units, different battalions, different regiments. But you but you don't likewise. You don't want too much variation because it then doesn't look like units. I think they just got that balance right between, you know, uniformity and yet individual kind of um uh, variances yeah yes nate can you click on that picture really quick just to enlarge it really quick let's talk about some stuff in the well the, the 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 um, thing i was gonna say was it's cool because you see different wear of stuff like here and there, there and... holes in it oh yeah. yeah holes and then so you see this guy right there right there the one with the slicks the slick one hey they got the paint correct because it was not textured until like we started doing that in 19 uh, late 1917 then some of the brits would do that theirs was just smooth paint and it was olive green, olive drab. The Canadians is like a mustard color. But what I love about this, this one's an actual 1916 because it doesn't have the rim on it. And they, whatever repros they're using are really fucking good because you can see the fluting you can. when they're yeah. pressed. I hadn't noticed that, but you can. Yeah. Yep, because they used um, they used cold-rolled, cold-pressed steel, and the Germans used hot-rolled, hot-press. So the these, you could make them faster and cheaper, but you would have, and they that's what they used for um, M1 helmets. Well, it was it had manganese in it, but like that's a different thing. But that's why they broke a lot. But these, you can just see that there's flutings in there. Uh, Nate, go to the left really quick while Brian's talking. Yeah, I was going to ask about that in the helmets because something like that is funny. It's either 100% correct or 100% wrong because like original manufacturing techniques, you know, sometimes look horrible, but that's just the way they were. So I was going to ask you about that. Like, did they really look pressed like that? But that's really cool to know that that's, that's mm-hmm. the truth. That's, that's, that's a I don't 17 have. right there. That's got a rim on it. So that'd be a same same style and everything. But like just they added the rim because people would cut their hands and shit. They're sharp. Yeah. So all my um, Brody helmets are textured. So I have to go through my collection now. <laughs> yeah, those are those are going to be um, U.S. ones then. That's and that so, and I like I love the the, ba- I, so the badge. I love, them, yeah, I love the badge on that. Yeah. How shrunken the covers are too to like around the helmet. Well, that one's made in a certain fashion. It's got a band around it, so that right one's here, actually yeah. like textile, right? Whereas if you go yeah, down, the other ones are just. You like look at some of the burlap. The, yeah, the listed Sandbag. guys. That's what yeah. it is. It's uh, a hash and cover. It's could be a, a private purchase. Could it be something he just. Had that's what I, I was just saying. That, that yeah, it's like because these yeah. these boys are enlisted. And they're gonna have the shittier like yeah. field expedient stuff, and he had his custom made because he looks like what rank is he? I can't see. Mate, Colonel or Major, or something. yeah, something high. Can you zoom in for a sec? Yeah. Let's see. Well, I, mean, I, don't, I, I don't can think try, but I mean, I don't. Uh, no, you can't okay. see the epaulets. Fuck. Or the cuffs. So, um, yeah, anyway, yeah, the 98. Of course, <laughs> so that one. Here yeah. you go, Mike A. I have a face for you. You ready? <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Yeah. I'm going <laughs> to copy Stuff that. Pew. Yeah. I'll give you a copy of that. One hand is G98. Yeah. You can do it, but it's not easy. That could be a sticker. When he doesn't call you back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he does have a bread bag strap on his gear, though. That's actually uh, a good the, touch. From, yeah. the, nice from the, the Germans that we do see, I think all of them have that, the bread bag strap. Let me let me see. Can you zoom in really quick on our friend over there? That Yeah, he does have the bread bag strap. Not the he white does, straps. Yes. No, I know. Also, his helmet's a fucking blatant really? recall. So just wanted to point that. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, the flare. It's Absolutely. too, it's a, it's too, it's oh, too it's direct. Oh, it's so fucking down, correct. Yeah. 
Well, now we know where all the money went. <laughs> well, that's, that's that's the correct kind. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and the rib- the events are in the wrong spot and everything, but whatever. Um. Yeah. So there's more G98s, of course. It turns into hell's hell. Hold on, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go to the bathroom. You go get your Hold Lewis on. gun. Hold on, I went. I, I'm, I'm, gonna, snap, I'm, I'm gonna go to the bathroom. I'm gonna snap one off. Yeah. <laughs> oh God. There we go. Gotta clean the Nate's, pipes. Nate's a machine gun guy. <laughs> oh, I want one so bad. I want a Lewis. Oh my God. Well, one day. But yeah, those are super common by. Seventeen. So that's really good to see a bunch of them. Yeah, that that that's that's a real attention to detail. That if you'd seen them in nineteen fourteen, it would be crap. And with that, but ninety seven, even crazy. early fifteen. Yeah. That's good. Before they got up there, yeah, it's really yeah, I'd love it because oh, the song was... that was like what? Go ahead. No, sorry, it, it wasn't wrong. important. Go ahead. What's your what was the clips on the helmets? Oh, like oh, right on that here? guy's right there. Yeah, some of them have clips. I don't know. I was gonna ask about that. Are they on probably both sides or uh, no? They're on one one side, and there's probably like probably six or seven guys that have them. I have never seen that before. Oh. Yeah, they, they look riveted in this angle, but yeah, yeah, yeah some of them have some of them have clips, and and the, the colonel in the beginning or the well, general. That's where the chin like, strap, the chin strap rivet would be there. What the fuck? I've never. seen I don't that. know, but that was something I was going to ask. You see it a few different times. Let me see if I can find. It's like a hero thing or anything. But, like, no, it's very it's very randomly interspaced throughout the movie. Well, it must if Andy Roberts saw on it, he must have that must be something to do with one of the regiments that's being depicted. He would that he wouldn't that has to be there for a no. reason. They, they they've put that on yep. there. Mm-hmm. You, you know that I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on the limb and say it must be authentic, although I don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. That, that's could exactly where I was thinking. Saying, yep, could I, be an early batch. Who knows? You know, like they have, well, it, that is a 1916. So they made an um, M42 uh, helmet version without fucking um, vent holes once, you know. So yeah, the, the 45, the M45, that's what they call it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so um, I mean, it, it could be a variation. But I was just wondering about that. I'm gonna have to do research on that later because that's that's fucking interesting. Well, we could and send I, it, I, we could send him a message too. That'd be cool if it's Paul's buddy. Yeah, if you talking about someone, you yeah, could, yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, because I'm actually genuinely curious. I've never seen that yeah. before, and I do trust this. I do trust him. So, yeah. uh, these are cool. Yeah. The water, the oh yeah, and... yeah. The flute. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that that would only be on the planes because you'd have the water yep. pool. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mills bombs. Yep. The number Mills five. Bomb. More Mills bombs. The flare gun. <laughs> the flare gun. Oh yeah, this was cool. The number one Mark III, mm-hmm. the way Louis Scott. <laughs> he just throws it on the floor after he's done with it. <laughs> I, I again, I, I love that character. He's yeah. so good. He's... Hey, dude, that's a guy that's fucking been there too. Yeah, long. yeah, yeah. That's a yeah. guy that has mm-hmm. been there and does not give a flying Up fuck. Yours. They'd say, "Nah, I'm gone, native." <laughs> yeah, yeah. He just whatever. Um, that was a cool touch too. That prop. Yeah. Yep. And then I love the feel of spent this, shells. This, I love this stuff, yeah. And like the, those are the big fuckers right. too. Those are the one five like fives. The, um, like those the are splayed out barrels and shit. You know, like that. That's awesome. Well, that's because they, yeah, they, they destroyed their own guns. guns. Yeah, they. they oh, I know. They, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, it's yeah, awesome. Yeah. Spiked yeah. them. Yeah, it's, it's a great detail because because yeah. a lot of movies yeah, just show them like abandoned. Right. Yeah. Like I love that they did that. Yeah. Yeah, and they're also French cannons too. Hmm. The one five fives. Um, oh yeah, they're because they use whatever the fuck they could get, and yeah, 
It's like the guns are pointed. I say Germans have used a lot of French guns <laughs> in in both wars. Uh, and that is it for IMFTB. We are done. Cool. That was a nice, short, sweet, and to the point. Now, before we forget, barbed wire. So, at the beginning of their little trek, when they're going through more of it, you can tell that they made the prop stuff so it wouldn't be as sticky. Yeah, it's a little spaced out. <laughs> That's yeah. what I think. Because it's it's there's like six inches in between each barb. And when he cuts his hand, it's like, if you would have cut his hand on the later shit, like the actual stuff that was there, his whole palm would have been basically torn It would have been hamburger off. meat, yeah. Yeah. The whole thing, not just the one spot. Yeah. And it, oh God, I just, I, I felt real <laughs> right. shit. Like, don't, I felt don't, bad. don't think about it. Well, w, yeah, if you Dude, look up, it's so if you disgusting. look up some images of actual wire, like, it just makes you cringe just looking at it. Well, we, it's really was nasty. It, was it actually, this might be almost a year. I think we talked about it in, um, Death Watch, because mm-hmm. this is our last Halloween yes. special. That's right. Or, sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Because we just the Halloween special just launched today to date this one. Um, and so it just it's interesting. Um, we had talked about how it wasn't a stick as real, and then you showed us those crazy pictures, Mike, and it was like I was shocked at how much barbed wire it's there was just insane. within a, yeah. a there's square hardly foot. Any space. Yeah, like it's there's hardly any space, and then they would just throw the shit out. Like they would at the beginning, they had these things called pigtails. Mm-hmm. Where you could like there that was, was a good three touch. holes, yeah. They, well, they had them in here, and it was yeah, awesome. Yeah. And then you just literally screwed into the ground, run your three lines. But then they were like, okay, that one got destroyed. So they would just keep adding these fucking lines, and then you get this this barbed wire soup yeah. eventually, where you it's physically impossible to get through it. You cannot it's, get through it. You're gonna fucking. It's literally it like a Normandy hedge in that sense. Think of it like that, where it's so thick you can't get well, through it. Yeah, no, but just, like the difference is, is that it doesn't Normandy hedges don't kill you unless you're. The MG42 is on the other side of it, so, you know. <laughs> well, also, like, there were... There were <laughs> don't even. Sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, uh... I'm just... I'm just... I'm not going to say a word. Yeah, <laughs> massive <laughs> rabbit hole. We, we, we always... Give, we give each other a lot of shit about, like, historic the, the, facts. The triggers each just other, to fucking yeah. Poke. yeah. I know... Pretty yeah. much I know how to but make Mike A cringe. Oh, so yeah. Fine. You do. Yeah. Um, and you do it well. But um, <laughs> SPR is a documentary. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, there's photos that you'll see, too, of like World War One wire where it's, it almost just seems like there's acres of it. You know, it's just like not just not a line, but just. Well, yeah, because it adds up. Yeah. And it's like, fuck. But like, let me see if I can. Find even in World War Two. And Paul, you'll know this because I'm sure you've had hands on like, you know, experience with like even World War Two, the European wire. It's that like every inch or so is a barb. You know, it's not. Yeah, yeah. It's it's the, the stuff at Point du Hoc today mm-hmm. is film prop stuff from the sixties. From the genuine, yeah. <laughs> every bit of genuine barbed wire I've dug up on the beaches is bar 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 bar. There's no breaks. No, nope. uh, I've never seen anything else other than that. Um, it's also double braided. Real barbed wire. Yeah, the 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 actual like wire that it's on is braided, to where it's two wires that are braided into one. So it's it's difficult to cut through. So you. Yeah, your wire cutters really have to fucking yeah. work. Like the, the GI that, ones are really. That's massive. why the that's why you saw in the movie. It's like and in real life those giant they're mm-hmm. they're huge. Yeah, I mean because you you have to mm-hmm. have that torque power. You have to have that leverage from those tall yeah. handles to actually cut through how thick it is. Because well, of the like typical story in World War Two is that the Germans captured Americans or Brits in North Africa with wire cutters and and experimented what kind of wire their wire cutters can easily cut through and made their next grade wire slightly thicker um which is why the british huh. have to go to the one with the extendable hand because you get more leverage you get more power because the standard just like a simple pair of scissors ones just wouldn't work 
you have to, as in the first of all, you have to get the reel. You get that double where you get your your um your levers working or levers, as you would say. So yeah, so that that I don't know if that story is true, but that yeah, but that's the World yep. War Two. Well, look at how thick this shit yeah, is. Fascinating, huh? I mean, yeah. that's really thick compared to that guy's finger. Yeah, it's not mm-hmm. easy. Yeah, there's there's no way. I mean, like that's and and to kind of go with what Paul said, like I, I when I do twenty nine. GI, it's like I, I sometimes I'm on the wire team and they give me the wire cutters, which is literally just wire cutters as tall as my oh, yeah. palm. Like it's not that. <laughs> oh, the great. US ones, those things. Yeah, suck. and I, I'm like trying to get, and I'm like I'm gonna break these fucking things yeah. before I get through <laughs> this fucking modern wire that they're making me cut through for the show. You know, it's like. <laughs> this thing sucks. Like I'd much rather have the and the Brits come running up the beach with their giant with the giant ones. They're just like yeah, get yeah, out yeah. of the I mean, way. I mean, I, snip, I, snip, I snip, snip. My- I pulled my last bit of World War II barbed wire off Utah Beach. I think it was either earlier this year or last year. And the fact it's still in good enough condition, having been in the sand, is because it's thick. Is it, if it was just thin, like you get around a field in Wyoming, it would have rusted away four decades ago. The fact you can put it out and it's still there is because it was really thick. Yeah, that's that's why it survived. That's why mo- movies and like special video games, they don't, they never barbed wire is always just kind of like a set dressing you know in movies it seems like it's never but it, it it'll fuck you up yeah well but they have to make their own prop right. barbed wire out of like that that flexible plastic yeah, shit. Yeah. when i am um, when i interviewed i got to know david mccallum quite well and he told me that when they were making the great escape if you weren't on if you were on set but not filming you had to knit barbed wire because they, <laughs> so you, you got bits of rubber and you were having to make your own barbs because they needed yeah. however, however many hundreds of yards of it for the Steve McQueen stunt later on. So everybody, when they weren't on, oh, I wow. mean, obviously, I don't think Steve McQueen was knitting was knitting barbed wire, but if you were less <laughs> yeah. member of the car, cast, you just sat there knitting barbed wire and handing it to a props guy. Yep. <laughs> Damn, that's funny. Yeah. That's cool. We we have we have like a spool of like giant rubber barbed wire that we use for our like our makeshift like sausage camps that we do at uh a d-day uh event up in ohio and they they do like rub- we have like this rubber bar and i can't brian's friend is a is a is a uh a victim of this we put it up not to keep like like uh us in and like be like special we keep it to keep the fucking drunks that come wandering around yeah, the middle yeah. of the night <laughs> out and i nothing is as funny as you're half asleep you just hear oh shit i fell apart my foot and they go oh it's rubber <laughs> like, like, you know, like, got my buddy. Yeah, he fucking was want. He's taking a piss, was watering, and he's like, ah. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so, one thing of talking about the barbed wire. Um, the part where he's they have to get through it, and he cuts his hand on it, and then eventually puts his hand through a body that never came back. I thought that was going to be a thing to where like his his wound was going to start festering through them, and like, um, well. We forgot about it, okay? The filmmakers forgot but about it's it. It's also less than a day. Right. It's it, around a day, it's going to start getting really fucking swollen. Yeah. But, you know, he also put a bandage on it and made it all better. I, right? I guess, yeah. He poured water on it and put a bandage on it. I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm being very right. facetious. And then, and then he's constantly falling in the fucking mud, which has got piss, shit, and just garbage and disease and bacteria. Yeah. Everything in that. And he's constantly falling in the mud. I thought that was going to be a thing and it but, didn't become one. Yeah. Well, dude, and that cut on his fucking hand would have been almost down right, to the yeah. bone. Because you could see it like slaps up against him and he's like, right. oh, God. Uh, and then he and he pulled it because he couldn't like get it. He had an awkward angle, so he had to pull yeah. it. And it. Oh, fuck. So that would have been a nasty gash. That's why he was holding his rifle like this. It goes through a dead German that's been rotting there for, well, the rat. Oh, when the rats popped out of that corpse, I was just like, oh, yep. you're done. Nope. <laughs> nope. You nope. have to amputate that hand. Can't do it. <laughs> 
Oh yeah, well he he would he would be compl- and then at the end, do you need medical attention? No. Yes, it's I like, do. Yeah, you need to get fucking iodine poured into that son of a bitch, or you're gonna lose. That's what your I was like. The filmmakers hand. just kind of forgot about that, but yeah. Yeah, exactly. Go ahead, Nate. I was just gonna say we should probably go into final thoughts because it's like eleven something Paul's time oh, or something right. like that. Oh yeah. shit, but we're off ten thirty. Ten thirty longer, but yeah, no, I'm. I'm flagging a bit. Yeah, let's just go into final thoughts. Yeah. You, you've been, so. you've, you were just on live for like how many hours, and then you jumped uh, on with us, half, like yeah. hour and a half. Yeah, no, like yeah. I, I get it, dude. Like I, I can see, I, we, we've all been there where we're just. Like, it looks yeah. like a cool episode. I watched it. It was, yeah. I, and it's one of those ones where I knew nothing about it. I mean, it's I, you know, Baltic states, nineteen foot thirty nine to nineteen fifty seven. It's complete new stuff to me. I just sit and listen, and Dan knows his stuff. But yeah, I love that stuff. It's, yeah, um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's good. That's awesome. Very cool. Now we learn a lot from each other on this podcast because, like, they're mostly World War Two, and whenever we have World War One, it's like that's kind of more my forte. Or Vietnam and U.S. side of it. Well, even some of the Aussie stuff because they use a lot of U.S. gear and shit like that. But um, so and then, but we're all learning about Korea together, yep. the Korean War. Mm. And every time we do a Korean War film, we all do our research and we learn something or we know something and we share that. That's what that's what we like doing this podcast. Besides reviewing movies, good or bad. Um, it's fun to just sit there and hang out as nerds and just exchange information, learn about shit. You have no fucking clue. Cause these guys, when they go into talking about world war two shit, I, I, I know the basics a little bit past that, but there's some things that they'll just go on a rant, all three of them. And it's just so awesome to sit there and just absorb. After the British so. Korean film, um, Helen it's Hill in Korea in Britain, but it was called Helen Korea over in your side of the pond. Michael, Michael Caine's first films. He was advised on it because he'd been in Korea. The best bit in that yeah. where I get kind of semi-erect watching it is four Bren guns <laughs> lined up on a hill. Um, you know, oh, fuck you know, yeah. You know, um, what, what oh, yeah. Wiping out loads of Chinese. Hell in Korea, 56. Okay. Yeah, it looks pretty I'm cool. down. Yeah, we'll throw that on the list. Robert Shaw from Jaws is in it. It's incredible oh, cast. Incredible cast. If you want to come on to review yeah, that, sure, you're yeah, welcome it's, to. It's, and it's... Okay. Fuck yeah. We need a good Korean war film. I'm sick of getting really bad ones. And you can do you can almost do a live watch though, because the film is only 70 minutes long. It's a crazy oh, short movie. Oh, beautiful. Oh, so nice. you can just like go a do, a, do, a, do, a li- do it live. Yeah. <laughs> oh, commentary. That'd be cool. <laughs> so, nice. Awesome. So let's move on to final thoughts, and we will start with our guest, Paul. So on a scale of one to ten, what do you rate this movie? And what do you really think about well, it? I, Your final thoughts I guess, on the film. As a as a piece of entertainment seven as a he as a piece of history three so come out and give it five i don't know yeah five. Oh, don't worry mike a gave uh, midway a point one so point like you, one. Can, yes. you can give it whatever you I want that <laughs> <laughs> yep. i think that's a fair a fair down the middle kind of you know based on yeah i think that's a yeah, fair based assessment. on your uh, your thoughts so decent and who do you pass uh final thoughts on to you like it's our joke. Like, who do you want to go next? Oh, Michael. So, who- Nate. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, I, uh, I, I, I'll say it again. I said it when I first, the actors carried this for me. Like I thought the, the actors were all, every single one of them, even like you said, the, the little bit parts were top notch. Um, they made it come to life for me. And I was legitimately moved when like that guy, you know, died. And then when he had to tell his brother later on, I felt like that was very well done. The actors made it work. Um, I really enjoy learning a lot about this stuff just from this podcast here and stuff that I didn't know. Um, and, uh, so I can't really comment on that, but just after learning all this, it's like, okay, well then my view might be different from, uh, from this now if I watch it again. Um, but 
from a filmmaking standpoint, I think it was very well done. So I think I'm going to give it a seven out of 10. And let's go to Mike. All right. Yeah. You guys, we pretty much, I think it seems like we mostly agree on, on most of the stuff in here and um, pretty close assessment. So it'd be interesting. But yeah. I mean, overall really good. There was some technical stuff, mostly tactically, I think. And then like Paul said, like making the British, command seem like a bunch of fucking retards it's like come on leave the trope out of it but no the uniforms and like mike said the actors really did it for me i love the sets um i didn't like necessarily what happened in all the sets but i love the sets and uh yeah so very well made i think i think it was very good and very entertaining but yeah historically it it fell very fucking short sans the uniforms and gear and the set (laughs) So I'm also, I'm going to give it a 6.8 out of 10. Decent. Brian. Yeah. I mean, um, what can I really add? It's, uh, it's a movie that really tells the sign of the times, you know, it's, it had a ton of money thrown behind it, had the right advisors thrown behind it. It looks great. It shot really well. The uniforms are awesome. There's not one 50 cal in it. There's not one piece of shit that's made into a Lewis gun, you know? Um, it's most of it's all practical. It's great, but the story sucks. You know, it's, it's this World War One action adventure thing they tried to make happen. And, um, it deserves a lot of credit for what it is. And I see all the effort that went into it, but it just stinks that at the end of the day, you know, there's not that extra part of the story. Like if this film was shot in the nineties, I feel like it would come out more like the lost battalion. There wouldn't be this like epic, crazy, um, I think Paul said it earlier, like quests, you know, in it, you know, it, it just, the film seemed like a play. And at one point it seemed very linear to me, like he's going to make it through and he's going to stop this and everything is like, well, except for the guys in the first to wave, fuck you, but everyone else you're going to save, you know, and I don't know. Um, I, I really feel like if you watched it in theaters in 2019, this was the best fucking thing you've ever seen, but it's not 2019 and I'm not in a movie theater. So, I mean, that being said, I'm going to give this a 7 out of 10. It deserves credit for how well it's shot and all the effort that went into it, but it just goes to show you at the end of the day, you have to have everything locked down because it's just, yeah, it's a film. It's not a, oh my God, it's, it's not Paths of Glory. It's just the World War One movie. Nathan. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm kind of going to like be exactly what everyone has pretty much said. That's what happens when you go last. I think the only thing I could say really that's different um, is that, you know, and stuff I opened with before it's the cinematography, the continuity and the editing have to be hailed as the things that make this film. Um, you know, the acting is great. Don't get me wrong. The, I think even the direction, the director and the direction that the film was given in terms of nailing down the shots and, and working with the cinematographers, the editors and the visual effects artists, because there are more CG shots than you think in this film. And I think that is really, really something that needs to be applauded. And I think that, you know, even though the story might suck, you know, donkey dick, I, I, I still thoroughly enjoy this movie. I actually saw it in theaters in 2019, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, it was really, really well done. Um, but as, it, as I've rewatched it at home and, and it's aged, you know, as all movies do, there are little things that, that just don't really hold up anymore. But in terms of the cinematography, the continuity, and the editing, phenomenal. And I think it is really... And, and, the, and the set design and the props. 
all have to really, really show that this movie has effort behind it because there's a lot of movies that don't have that. And I think that is something that really, really does stand out. Um, it has a budget. It had a budget of ninety to a hundred million. So I hope it. I hope it. You know, it it it, it had that much effort behind it. Um, and it had a it had a, a box office of I think um, it says here uh, three hundred eighty four million. So it. Oh, then they it killed definitely it. killed it. So I mean, I think I think all in all, I think you have to really, really think about as as a delivery system for this movie. This movie holds up really well. In terms of the story, no. And I think exactly what Paul said. It's a great entertainment, get you interested in history. It's what we always say when we have those movies that kind of really do stand out. They're a great starting point to understanding your history. And what you should do is go follow Paul because he'll tell you all the correct stuff and it'll be perfect. So it's fine. So it's like, you know, like that, that's that's what I have to say. So I think I'm going to give it a, I think I'm going to give it about what you guys are giving it. I think I'm going to give it a 7 out of 10 screw Mill Gibsons. And I think that's where it's going to land for me. If I can add a bit, because now I've heard your scores, I realise I've been really low with my five, but it, it gave me cause... No, no, to no, think, it's, no, no, it's... Because, no, because there's... Cause, I mean, I, I don't know all of you very well, but I feel there's a sort of a cinematography, filmmaking point of view you're bringing to it, and also an, an incredible gear-focused weaponry, which I would have been 25 years ago, because that's that was the world I lived... But now I would call myself more of a like an operational historian. So so I think that's why yeah. to me that the fact it it didn't it didn't get across the the what the Hindenburg line was is me is making it more more annoying for me than it is for your for your guys in that maybe I can forgive more geeky kind of uniform details if it gets the operational history right whereas you maybe would not forgive the details in the gear so that, I, 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 I bet if we had three or four proper, what I would call writing about, you know, Verdun kind of some kind of historians on, they would be quite harsh along with me. But I think the gear people I, I would totally go agree. I totally agree. And, and that, that's, that's why we had the scoring system is because it's everybody's perspective. This week, it just happened to line up. Usually we're all over the place. Yeah. yeah normally, normally it's like, do 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 do, spread, do the Pepe usually. Silva spread like it's right. just where does it land? But um, it's wonderful to have someone of your knowledge to come on and do this with us because, and and like we like that's that's what it needs to be said. I mean, this movie, like you said, doesn't hold it that high in terms of the historical stuff for you, and that's perfectly fine. And that's what we want. We want to get people's real valid opinions of knowledge and experience and everything to pull that score. N- you know. Not every week does everyone look at us and go, well, I'm not going to watch this film unless it's like Hyena Road, which that's a that's a joke far down in our in our episode oh, last. It's like unless it's, it's so Hyena Road, bad. I always tell people it doesn't matter what some schmuck from Maryland like myself says. Go watch the movie. Take your own opinion. The point is, is to get you talk about it. And that and that's what's the most important thing. So, I mean, like that's that's what I really love saying and doing this podcast with. It's like we we get all these experience, all these people with different backgrounds and everything. And they go. You know, I hate this because there's MG42s on Omaha, and so like you know, <laughs> so so like that that's that's the wonderful thing about it. So I love the fact that you're like, well, well maybe I should give it a higher. No, five, keep it that. That's I wasn't going to change. I was yeah, just, yeah, I, was yeah. in, I was intrigued that that you went. Uh, it's just I think it's seeing it through a slightly different um, perspective, and, I, mm-hmm. and and again, it's because although I'm a World War Two guy, as a Brit, World War One is it looms large in who we are like 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 your civil war like Iwo Jima like whereas uh, midway for me for example 
I wouldn't have any particular attachment to it in that it wasn't our battle. I, I, I'm watching it in a slightly less, you know, biased way. And I, it didn't, it Correct. wasn't a turning point for my country, although you could argue that it had an effect elsewhere with policy in Germany first and blah, 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 blah. But right, right, right. Yeah. that territorial <laughs> thing that World War One, you know, it's huge for us Brits. Um, yeah. Yeah, because you were there the whole four years. Yeah. And yeah. it's, I mean, we were there for, I don't know, not including occupation duty, we were there for Martin months. Oh, and thanks for yeah, the Spanish yeah. flu, by the way. Cheers. Cheers for that. <laughs> <laughs> well, if it came from wow. Spain, why are you blaming us for bringing it over? <laughs> that, was mar- that was a clever idea by the marketing department to blame <laughs> it on foreigners. Sure was. Sure was. <laughs> you know. But yeah, so, yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome. So, after all that very well said stuff, uh, we get a score of 6.56 out of 10. So watch it. It's a movie. You know, it's uh, it's Brian a doesn't like it. So there <laughs> yeah, you that's why he's very unenthusiastic. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's mil- yet he gave it a seven. You gave it so, yeah, what I, mean, I gave it. Well, you know, yeah. has been 90 minutes. <laughs> I say it's definitely worth it yeah. uh, to, to see it. Oh, it's it's worth oh, it. Yeah. Much, I think. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, definitely. Yeah. It's not and, if, and if we shitty. didn't go and support these war films, they wouldn't make them. And we, you, you, you have to mm-hmm. keep going and watching them, otherwise they'll stop it as a genre completely. Yeah. So yes, correct. You know, okay, yes. we always say they're never making these movies for us. They're never making it for the rivet counters. Right. That means that we are the ones who will will, will criticize it. You know, you know, my dad will notice old cars uh, because that's his thing. You know, he'll notice. I'm 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 the yeah I'm the noticing the operational stuff and that's where i've changed the last sort of 30 years and i you know i, I gave up reenactment in 2004 so i haven't i haven't worn worn yeah. the surge for 20 uh, whatever the hell it is 19 years mm-hmm. yeah thank jesus christ it's because i'm old i <laughs> 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 so was 14 back then i was i was 14 yeah. as well but... living in normandy you just live in the the mecca for the shittiest reenactment of World War II. I was going to say, I've seen the pictures there. You just, oh. you just get par- guys in paratrooper outfits showing up on Omaha oh. Beach and shit. Yeah. Well, and they, you got the ones that are like, they're, they're so fucking huge. Like, they going to like mecca I just walked Normandy. out of Auschwitz. Yeah, so, I, I, it's, yeah. The OGEs, the one glider each, me and my mates call them. Yeah, the, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'll tell, you, I'll, I'll tell you a random story that probably, probably is the one that you'll edit out. So that, that we were talking about, um, it was in Normandy, one of the anniversaries, we were talking about where do you, that, that, an impossible question is what's worse: someone who's older but he's got the right gear, whereas someone younger who's too who too overweight. Where where, where does correctness come in? That and there's no, there's no answer to any of that stuff. You know, is someone? It's, but we were having that conversation when it was the beginning of the airborne march. So starting at San Commodore, it was going to go off through the drop zones, ending up in Carrington. And the guy turned up, bang on the right age, you know, mid twenties, bang on, perfect, hundred first airborne. Uh, M42s, nicely aged, but not too aged. Um, everything was good. Folding stock M1 carbon, everything was right. Uh, and yet, he was a little person. He was three foot six. I mean, that he. he so we're going. So is that okay? Because he can't help. Well, he can't help being three foot six. And his uniform was impeccable. And yet, we all know there were no three foot three foot six 
Brad, so while we're having a conversation about whether or not morally that's better, is he better or worse than a 70-year-old guy who's too fat? Anyway, to settle it, his twin brother came up dressed as Falchimay, going, okay, that works now. Now there's two of them. Oh, and that's fucking amazing. That's just, now suddenly that is just okay now because they balance each other out. And they're at the front of the column, and with false perspective, have them walk 100 metres in front of everybody else, everything's fine. And we thought, yeah, no, fantastic. But that was the one time where my... We, we simply couldn't come up with a, a way of answering. It, was, it became a riddle. It became like something, is that correct or not? You know? And your, your brain like cracked that. at that point. Yeah, you're like, It's uh-oh. like that room in Willy Wonka where things get bigger. Yeah, like so, so that, was, yeah. that was my peak... My peak moment of quest- realizing that there is no way of understanding the riddle of what where does authenticity become, you know what that it's it's per, it's per, it's the mirror test, is it? Can you look in the mirror and say that you look okay? And he made every attempt to look right, but yet he was I don't know he was exactly three foot six. But as, he was very slow. He was he was, he was, he was under the... army requirements. Yeah, his jump boots came as... up to his knees. <laughs> that's, that's... Oh. <laughs> As, as we're knee deep into a documentary about reenacting, I mean, the hobby is a paradox at the end of the day. You know, it, it's like this paradox that will never work, but somehow it does work. And it's, oh. I, I, it's, it's a very strange place. That's all I have to say. But yeah. Oh, yeah. Michael has to work and Paul has to sleep. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Really so do you. Yeah, but you, you have I, to sleep too. I, I would like to say, uh, Paul, you know, if you want to do a shameless plug, you know, uh, Mention whatever you want to mention, yeah, please. And uh, yeah, please come over to my channel, World War Two TV, on YouTube, where there's nearly 800 between hour and an hour and a half long live streams about every theatre of World War Two, all with your best known, well known, world famous military historians, so John McManus and James Holland and Alexandra Ritchie, all coming on talking about everything. So come, come, you'll be very welcome. Yep, Good shit. Paul is awesome. Both me and Michael have been on there before and uh, just a really great show and a good time. And Paul's good people. If you ever get a chance to go to Normandy, Paul also just tours, mm-hmm. if I remember correctly. I'm trying to move out of it to just do the YouTube. But yeah, I do. Yeah. Ah, so watch his YouTube videos about tours, but don't contact him for a tour. <laughs> that, sounds, that, sounds, that sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so, but thank you so much for your time, dude. We hope to yeah, have you on again. Lot, yeah. We'll do Brits in Korea. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, Helen Korea. Yeah. And yeah. any other ones, if you ever want to come back, just let us know. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I love talking war films. I do some stuff with the fighting on film guys because they're, they're great. They're mates of mine oh, on cool. their podcast. Mm-hmm. So nice. Always happy to talk about war movies. That's what we do here. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you guys for your time, and we'll see you next week. Down to Genna or up to the throne. He travels the fastest who travels alone. Riddle me this, Batman. Thanks for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to leave a rating. Otherwise, Mel Gibson won't stop screaming. If you like this content, make sure to check out our Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram pages. If you want to directly support our work, make sure to check out our Patreon. All these links are in the description below. Until the next time, Scuttlebutt out.